Would you pray with me as we begin this message this morning? Father, I thank you so much for our time of worship we've had together, and I'm thankful for songs of hope. And I know people watching online and people coming into this room this morning, uh, we carry all kind of different stuff with us. Uh, some of us are carrying burdens today. Uh, some of us carrying grief today. There's all kind of different things we bring into this room and we bring with us when we come to worship on Sunday. But we're reminded that we will see a victory and we I shall not want and you'll do it again. And all of these songs that our worship team uh, chose today sing of who you are. And we are thankful for who you are. And we're thankful of who you are through Jesus Christ. And we're thankful that we have the opportunity to come and to worship you and to be reminded of those truths, and we have the opportunity to take communion together, and to be reminded of what your Son has done for us, and we have the opportunity to open your word and hear of what you're calling us to do as your people. And it's in your Son's name I pray these things. Amen. Ephesians 2, if you want to go there. Ephesians 2, verse 19, is um, where we're going to end up in just a few minutes. But I want to mention this at the beginning because we're going to do something just a little different at the end today. Uh, this is the series that starts next Sunday. A Commandment Ignored, Finding Rest in a Busy World. Uh, I, I don't think I have to explain it. Uh, I think the title probably explains what this is going to be about. So if you are overwhelmed, um, overscheduled, running at a hectic pace, uh, don't think you can keep this up anymore. You've got way too much on your schedule that you know how to get done. Uh, you feel like you're drowning in life. This series is for you. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about simplifying, slowing down, and uh, Sabbath. And so this is a six-week series. This will be our big small group series. We'll kick it off uh, next Sunday. And so I invite you to be back and be a part of that. Today I'm going to wrap up the message that I started last week. So I called this a series, but it's not really a series. It's just a two-part message. So I started a, a message last week called The New Normal is Not Normal. And this week is part two of that. But I'm pleased to tell you that the CDC is listening to my podcast every week. So, I mean, this is great because I had no idea that I could influence government policy with my preaching. But last week, I preached the new normal is not normal. And I was the basic message was, I know we had to do it for a little while. And I get it. And I understand it. You know, I understand we have to do things like that for a little while. But it's not normal. Meaning that it shouldn't be forever, that eventually we got to get back to normal and it's time to get back to normal. And then just like three days after I preached that message, they changed all their requirements. Did you see that in the news this week? Like no more social distancing, no more six-foot rule, no more screenings when you go into public places. Um, no more quarantine if you're only exposed. If you're exposed, you don't have to quarantine unless you show symptoms. And if you show symptoms, you should stay home. Basically what everybody was already doing, but the CDC finally said, okay, you can do this now. <laughs> we were already doing it. But uh, I know uh, no other way to explain that than they, you know, they watched the sermon last week. And so I, I influenced national government policy. So I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. But um, we're going to pick up part two here. And I'm going to pick up, I, we looked at two verses last week. One of them was Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 24 and 25 which is like, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. And we talked about how the purpose of meeting together, the reason we meet together on Sundays or in small groups or in any other capacity, is to encourage one another. I hope you were encouraged by our worship today, encouraged by the singing today. That's, that's why we meet together. We want to encourage one another. Um, it's also to, to motivate each other to do good works, 
and to motivate each other to love in the way that God has called us to love. And then we also looked at Acts chapter 2 last Sunday. And Acts chapter 2 is a description of the early church. And it basically says, you know, everything was done together. Everything was in community. They prayed together. They ate together. They took the Lord's Supper together. They worshiped together. They studied the apostles' teaching together. Uh, they gave together. They met together in the temple courts and home to home. And uh, kind of made the point that that's, you know, it's, Christianity is meant to be practiced within community. That's what church is supposed to look like. It doesn't always look like that, but that's what church is supposed to look like. Today I want to add one more verse to the mix. And um, it's, it's very simple and self-explanatory, so we won't spend a ton of time on it. But it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. And Paul says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling, where God lives, of this dwelling, where God lives by his spirit. And so there's, I, I used to use this uh, verse at every single Step 1 class that we did at Murray Hills. When we, and that's, that's kind of our introduction to membership or introduction to the church, that kind of thing. And, and I would make two points out of it. Number one, that the church is a family. And Paul intentionally uses the, the metaphor of family here. The church is intended to be a family. He tells the Gentiles, you are members of God's family. They hadn't always felt like members of God's family. And... Um, He's, he's kind of resetting things for them and saying, you are, you are not strangers, uh, you are not foreigners, you are fellow citizens, you're part of the family. And so that's the first thing I take away from him is that the church is intended to be family. And then second, God wants us to be a part of a family. So he talks all through this in this passage, all through the language of like, you know, together we are his house and we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the cornerstones of Jesus Christ and we're joined together in him and we're part of this dwelling where God lives by spirit. So all of this is kind of talking about God wants you to be a part of a family. Um, Young's literal translation says, you are part of God's household, part of God's household. God wants you to be a part of his household. And so that's where we, you know, we're talking about community. The whole idea of this series, this message is like the new normal is not normal. And what I'm saying is isolation is not normal. Community is normal. Like it, it's, it's normal for us to be in community with one another. It's normal for us to experience that. And um, last week I ended with a bit of a challenge. And that was to, to join a group um, and I was, you know, community takes place in here on Sundays, absolutely. Community was taking place before worship started. Community is going to be taking place after we're done. People are going to hang around for a while and talk with one another. It takes place in the hallways. It takes place to an extent when we take communion uh, because we gather around the tables. And it's, you know, it's not only taking place there, but it's kind of symbolic of the fact that we're together. We're not just sitting in rows listening to somebody speak. We actually get up and we see one another and speak to one another briefly. Um, so community takes place in here, but it takes place much more outside of Sundays. So there, there's a purpose for corporate worship and why we all gather together as, as a whole, but we also need those groups, and we need to be able to meet together with our community groups, and we need the, you know, the men's prayer breakfast and the 
bunco groups and the softball league or whatever it is, whatever we do together as church family, we need that time together in community. And I kind of challenged you last week to go sign up for a community group. Like community groups are restarting. It's the first time we've been able to have them as normal in the last three years. Go sign up for a community group. Uh, we had about 50 people do that, which is incredible. Uh, we're a little worried about if we got enough groups. But it's incredible that we had so many people go and request to join a group. But uh, after we were done... After I was done with last week's message, there was a few things I wish I would have said differently. And so, like, I always have just a few regrets after a message. Sometimes I have big regrets after a message, but I always have just a few minor regrets after a message. I always sit down and go, I should have explained that a little bit differently, or eh, maybe I should have said this. You know, that was a, maybe this is a better way of putting it. And um, I want to kind of spend the rest of the time talking about some myths that I may have even perpetuated. I know I perpetuated one of them and maybe possibly a second one. I want to talk about some myths of groups uh, because we're talking about community and I'm saying you need community. Acts chapter 2, we know we need it. Ephesians 2, we know we need it. Uh, Hebrews 10, we know we need it. And I'm saying the way you get it is community groups. But there's some myths there as well. And, and I want to kind of do some myth busting for just a little bit here. Okay, so three myths. Number one, joining is easy. Uh, I think I said this last week. I think I, I, I may have said this a lot last week. Like, this is easy. This is super easy. All you do is you, you, know, you go to the app, and you find the group that you're interested in, and you click request to join, done. I, I probably should have explained the difference between joining a group and signing up for a group. Signing up for a group is easy. That's what I was describing last week. Signing up is easy. All you got to do is go hit request to join. That is easy. Joining a group is much more difficult because if I'm going to join a group, I've got to follow up with the leader, you know, when they reach out to me about when the group, find out when the group's meeting, find out what day they're meeting, where it's at, get directions to where we need to go. I've got to clear my schedule during that time because we're all busy. Everybody's like, oh, I'm just so busy. I don't know. I have time for community. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. We're all busy. We, we make time for what's a priority in our life. I mean, that's just, that's what happens. And so you got to make time. We're going to say, I'm going to make it a priority and make time for it. And then you got to do the hardest part, show up. And uh, Chance and Lauren in the video last week said, um, that they kind of understated it. They said, hey, sometimes joining a community group can be awkward. It's always awkward. <laughs> joining a new community group, I'm just going to tell you on the front end, is awkward, especially if you don't know anybody. Uh, you know, Paul uses this metaphor of family can family ever be awkward? Can family ever be difficult? Can family ever experience conflict? Can you ever leave family gatherings and go, I ain't going back to that ever again? Can, I mean, is there times that you look forward to spending time with your family and times that you dread spending time with your family? It, I mean, it would, we can extend the metaphor to church and to small group. It can be awkward. It, I mean, it really can be. If you don't know anybody, it can be awkward. You just have to put yourself out there. We participate with our families because we know it's important. And we know, like even if we deal with conflict, even if it's awkward, even if something happens, we know we got to push through that because we know family's important. So like, we're going to figure it out. We're family. Right? We're, we're family. We're going to figure it out. And I think the same thing applies with community groups. Like you just have to, you have to push through it sometimes. And you have to kind of put yourself out there. That, uh, when I was president of Rotary 
five, ten, I don't know how many years ago, they sent me to president's training, and it was in Chattanooga with all the other presidents from the southeast, and I knew absolutely nobody, which is no big deal. I'm just going to sit in a row and listen to speakers. The whole room was set up as circular tables, the whole room. Every time I went to a session, I had to sit with eight people I didn't know. And that was, you're like, oh, yeah, but you're a preacher. You're an extrovert. No, I'm not. <laughs> I can push myself to do it if I need to, but I'd much rather just sit and be quiet, you know. And I had to, put, I had to push myself. I had to got to get out of my comfort zone just a little bit and push myself. It was not easy, you know, but I had to kind of, hey, I'm Russ. What's your name? Where are you from? How many kids you got? I mean, I had to push myself to that. And it's kind of with community groups, too. It's not easy. I'm just telling you on the front end. It's not easy to do, but it's worth it. Um, Chance also said in that video, you get out of it what you put into it. And I think that's really true with groups. You do get out of it what you put into. 18 years ago, we started our very first community group at Murray Hills, and we knew one other couple. I think there was six uh, couples in the group. We knew one of them. And within two years, we were like going on family vacations together. That doesn't always happen, but it just, we were all in the same stage of life. We were all just starting to have kids, and um, we were all new to Columbia, and we just clicked. And that's a lot of times that happens in community groups. So it's not easy, but it's worth it. All right, the second one. Online community is not real community. I did not say this last week, but you may have felt it, especially those of you that are online right now. You may have felt it. Or those that are here that have been online for like two to three years, you may have felt last week's message like, I think he's kind of coming after us there, telling us, you know, and and that's not what I intended to do. Um, I think online community is real community, and we've got a big online community as part of our church. I sometimes don't think about it because I'm, I'm in the room and I'm not online at that particular time. But like somebody requested to join our group this week, and uh, when I got the email, I was looking through it, and I'm like, I don't recognize that name. I'm not sure who that is. And they explained, oh, we've been at Murray Hills for, for a while now, but we're just online. You know, we've been online for a long time. And... Um, most of our new members that we've introduced in this year online. Like they said, you know, we, we started online, and maybe they're in services, in-person services now, but like, we, oh, we, yeah, we've been online for a long time, and then we just started. So you, you absolutely can experience community online. And, I mean, if, if you couldn't, then all these social media companies would be out of business. You, can't, you can experience a feeling of connection and community online. Here's what I would say, and this is how I would clarify it. It can't be, you know, like you can't experience community online, but it can't be seen as a permanent substitute or a permanent replacement for in-person community. I think it's, it's, it's a supplement to in-person community. So I can have friendships and connections and relationships online, but it can't be my only connection to other people is all online and all virtual. There's got to be some kind of community that exists outside of that online experience. I'm, I'm not real excited about the metaverse. I'll just be honest with you. And I, you call me old or old-fashioned, or I may regret saying that, but I'm just, I cannot get excited about us all being a bunch of avatars sitting in a room together having community. I, I don't know. I can't even wrap my mind around it. And there are churches that are having virtual services in the metaverse. And I say, okay, well, that may be okay, but you've got to know there's a real person behind that screen. So if you're online with us right now, we would love for you to check in 
Uh, if you're on Facebook, we probably know, but most of our online audience is on YouTube now. We have no idea. It's just a number. Like, we, we can't tell who's watching on YouTube. So we love the comments. Ebony's, you know, on the computer during this service. We love the comments. We love people online checking in and, and communicating with us. Um, and you are part of our community. People who have been joining online are absolutely part of our community. I kind of think of it as the metaphor of, of the front porch. If you like, we think of the live stream and our online as uh, the front porch. And the front porch has gotten much wider in the last three years than it was before COVID. But we want, we want people to be welcome. Front porch is the first introduction to church. Most people are going to join online before they ever step foot in this room. But that's, that's, we welcome you on the front porch. We want you to come in, sit down, talk with us a while. We'd love to have you join us on the front porch. But it's a little more comfortable in the living room if you want to come in the living room. We'd, we'd love to have you come in, and it's just a little bit more comfortable in there. And at some point, we'd love to get you in the kitchen because the kitchen's where the serving takes place. And at some point, we'd love to have you join us in the kitchen. I don't know how your holiday gatherings go. At all of my family's holiday gatherings, where does everybody end up? In the kitchen. Everybody, like we're sitting on countertops and all that, watching people do dishes. You know, like we're, <laughs> and that, but I mean, that's where you end up, in the kitchen, because that's where the serving takes place. And I tell people in the, in the step one, uh, the analogy, I stole it from Dave Clayton of Ethos. Like, you know, when you're a guest here, like we got a lot of new people at Murray Hills, and new people online, and that kind of stuff. When you're a guest here at this church, we're going to say, hey, park in the best spots you know, sit back and relax. We got this. You don't have to worry about anything. We got the children's ministry covered. You know, relax. You're our guest. When there's a guest in our home, we serve our guest. But when you join our church and you become family, you need to get your butt in the kitchen and help with the dishes, and you need to help us fix the meal and all that. You're right. I mean, because that's family. Because when you're family, like when you're a guest, they just say, oh, no, we got it. Don't worry about it. You're a guest in our house. But when your family, mom says, get in here and, and take care of this right now. And that's, that's kind of an analogy I like about service, which I may have just talked all of our guests out of joining the church because you're like, oh, great. We'll just keep being a guest. Um, third, third myth. So basically with number two, online community is real community, but it can't be a permanent substitute. That's where I'm at with it. It can't be a permanent substitute or a permanent replacement. We still need in-person relationships with one another. Uh, the last one is one size fits all. And I, I, didn't, I don't think I said this in last week, but I've been guilty of it for a long time. Um, basically, we always talk community, community, community. And you say, well, how do you experience community? I'm interested in getting more involved in the church. What should I do? Join a small group. Yeah, I did. And it just didn't click for me. Well, join another one. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. It just Community groups just didn't work for me. Well, I'm sorry. You know, that's what we got. You know, we kind of this, this one-size-all mentality of, yeah, church is a family, but we're going to tell you what the family needs to look like. There's a, there's a sign on the door where my son goes to school that says, every child can learn, but not every child learns on the same day or in the same way. And I, I like that when it comes to community. Everybody can experience community. Everybody in the church can experience that feeling of family, but not everybody experiences it in the same way. So, so yeah, we've got community groups. And community, if you're looking for friendship and connection, you know, community groups is the way to go. That's the primary type of group we have at Murray Hills. We've got more community groups than we've got anything. And they're not study groups. 
you know, don't, don't go into them expecting like I'm going to get a, you know, a, my master's in Bible knowledge here by jumping joining this community group. And most of them don't operate like that. They talk about the message. They do a book study. Maybe they just pray together. Maybe they just get together and eat. Uh, maybe they meet every other uh, week or they meet once a month or weekly or whatever. But, I mean, that's community groups are just folks getting together and doing life together. Spending, spending time with Christians. But that's not the only. We've tried to kind of expand what we offer there and rethink that just a little bit. And I want to I want to show you just a couple more uh, here. Short-term groups is new to us. And uh, we've tried several variations of this, but short-term groups are going to be groups that meet for a specific period of time about a specific topic, and they have a specific teacher. So uh, I, I don't want to call them classes because I don't think they're going to really operate like classes, but you can kind of think in that terms. Like they're going to be four to six weeks that they meet, and they're, they're talking about a specific topic, and they're, they're kind of more teaching-based than they are discussion-based. And so uh, we've got one starting called Relearning Hope, and it's going to be about mental health, and it's going to be taught by Jana uh, Chapman, um, Abby Utter, and Andy Lawrence. And so they're, they're, and it'll be about mental health. And so like, we're looking at one on grief, talking about a, one on grief. We're looking at some on parenting, some on marriage. So these groups are kind of like, we'll probably do some on books of the Bible too. Like I've, I'd love to do one on the book of Galatians. I'd love to do one on uh, 1 Corinthians. And so like we're, these will be specific periods of time and they, they will meet, I don't know when they'll meet. This one, where's Ebony? When does Relearning Hope meet? No, I mean, is it a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning at 930? So, uh, so it'll be, you know, like you could actually choose to go to that group and then come worship at 11. So it'll be in one of our rooms here uh, at the church. So that's the way short-term groups are going to work. So they'll start at a specific time, have a specific endpoint. It's kind of a a little introduction to community groups, but with a specific topic. And then the last one I'm going to mention here is ministry teams or serve teams. And um, we realized something just recently. It took us a long time to realize it. But not everybody wants to sit in the living room and talk. Like, not, not everybody, that's not, like, everybody here doesn't say, what I'm really looking for is I want to be able to sit and have a Bible discussion, or I want to be able to sit and pray with people. Some people are like, I don't really want to do that. I just want to serve. Like, I really I'd much rather be working than than talking. I mean, that's just I'm looking. I'm not looking for fellowship. I'm looking for purpose and ministry and that kind of thing. And we realized something that when you get together and serve, you know what happens when you serve with other people in community. You build community. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, I, in the sound booth before worship this morning, I was asking Scott about the wreck, how things are going, asking Ricky about his brother. I mean, we weren't planning that. It's just. I have some of my most spiritual conversations on Sunday mornings in the sound booth with that small group because that small group are spending time together every morning. They're hanging out together. They spend a lot of time together because they're here from 7 in the morning till after uh, noon, and then they're here on Wednesday nights together getting ready for Sundays. And so, like, if you join our kids' ministry, you'll start building relationships with folks in the kids' ministry. You join our our guest experience team, you'll start building relationships with folks on the guest experience team because they all get here early. And so you're all here early together and you get to talk and spend some time with each other. And so that's a, it's a group. That's a group. The ministry teams are a group. And so we started realizing that and said, hey, if you're looking to serve, like I just want to serve, join a ministry team. Uh, I'm looking for a group and friendship and connection. Join a community group. I'm looking for a, a specific help on a specific area, whether study or whatever it is. 
uh, join a short-term group. So those are kind of the different options that we have uh, here at Murray Hills. Now, I'm going to end today early. It's 1020. So I'm ending early on purpose. Uh, you, don't, you don't get to go to dinner early, and you don't get to get out of here early. Uh, I'm inviting you to hang around for a little bit, because when you walked in the room, you probably saw the different banners that are in the back, and we've got different tables in the back, and we've got a table for each of these in the back. So every one of our serve teams, ministry teams, have a table back there, and we're encouraging you to go back and talk to one of those ministry leaders, like there's kids ministry, there's the care team. Uh, care team flies under the radar a lot, but it is an incredible, incredible ministry of this church. Anytime I do a funeral for a family and find out how much the care team has been involved in taking care of that family and helping out, anytime I go see somebody in the hospital and find out the care team has been there way before I ever got Matter of fact, it's the care team that usually alerts me. They're usually the ones that say, hey, you need to go see so-and-so because they're asking about you. Um, they do an incredible job. The, the worship and tech teams back there, guest experience team, student ministry, um, if you're interested in one of those, go back and talk to them and just, hey, what, what's involved? How often do you need somebody? You know, what, is this a lifetime commitment or what am I signing up for? Just go back, you know, you know go back and talk to them. They got information at the tables. The ministry leaders are back there. Tim's got a table back there just for groups. And you can actually sign up for groups today. He's got a computer set up. You can get in there and sign up for groups today. Look at the ones you're interested in. You can sign up for that short-term group that I was asking Ebony about. You can sign up for that today. So this is a um, call to action at the end of a message. I'm, I'm not just going to sit and talk for 20 minutes and say, community is important, community is important, community is important. I'm asking you to actually go participate in community, whatever that looks like. So sign up for a group. Sign up for a ministry team. Uh, you can talk to Tim about starting a group if you want to. We have new groups that start all the time. Like, hey, I've already got a couple friends here that I'd like to just, can we do a group together? And how do you do this? And what do you provide for us? And that kind of stuff. So I'm going to pray for us. And then you've got a good 35 minutes here. Well, the second service is always late. you probably got 45 minutes uh, to spend talking with these serve teams and, and talking with groups and that kind of thing. And... Um, We'll, we'll, we'll put, our, um, put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. So let's pray together. Father, I'm thankful for uh, what you teach us. I'm thankful for the New Testament church, and I'm thankful for uh, passages like Paul wrote to the Ephesians that uh, describe what we're doing here together as a family. And as a family, we meet together, we pray together, we eat together, we serve together. And so, Father, I, I pray um, that the next 30 minutes are, are really, really productive for us as we go and pursue some opportunities here and look at ways that we might be able to get involved. Uh, look for ways that we might be able either to find more community here at this church or to find more purpose here at this church. And um, pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. All right, go visit the tables. We'll see you next Sunday for uh, a commandment ignored. If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.